This week's episode of Molding the Mindset is brought to you by Petrosky Physio. Nick Petrosky is a doctor of physical therapy with a specialization, I'll get that eventually, specialization in athletic and fitness related injuries. Practicing in the Philadelphia area, Dr. Petrosky can alleviate pain and rehabilitate your injury by using a combination of techniques that include, but not limited to, dry needling and soft tissue work within as little as four weeks. To have a free consultation today on your injury, reach out to Nick on all social media platforms at Petrosky Physio or by email PetroskyPhysio at gmail.com. That's P-E-T-R-O-S-K-I-P-H-Y-S-I-O, Petrosky Physio on social media as well as Petrosky Physio at gmail.com. Nick is an unbelievable dude. He helped me with my injury. Uh, I've said it before, had a shoulder injury a few months ago. Went in to see Nick. He diagnosed me and I felt comfortable with the diagnosis. You know, well, he's a physical therapist. You know, what, what, you know, as my dad would say, he's a physical therapist. What does he know? Um, he's a doctor. He is not on the surgery side. He's on the rehabilitation side. So he knows what he's talking about. He works with baseball players. He works with other athletes, uh, football players. He works with soccer players. Um, And from his experience with working with those sorts of athletes, he's seen a litany of different injuries. He was able to run me through a battery of tests, help me out. We put a plan together, put a rehabilitation schedule together, and within four to five weeks, I was back in the gym feeling confident enough to at least get back to lifting. Wasn't at my heavy, you know, wasn't moving heavy weight. Wasn't where I wanted to be or or in peak shape, but was still able to get back in, get moving, get back into a routine. And now, four months later, I am fully back in the gym. I've now gone five days in a row. My body feels great. My shoulder feels great. So thank you, Nick. And again, if you guys have any injuries, don't let it, don't think if pain will go away. Don't just, ah, let's see what happens. No, reach out to someone who knows what they're talking about. And if they tell you that, great. If you have a nagging injury from sports, from fitness, maybe you hurt yourself in the gym and you don't know what it was, reach out to Nick. He will help you. I promise. Now, enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? As I said in the intro, it is Thursday, Memorial Day. Hope everyone's gearing up for a big weekend, is ready for a big weekend. I will be working Friday and Saturday night. That should be great. Should be fun. Amazing. Can't wait. Working brunch on Sunday. That should be fun. Amazing. Can't wait. But then we're going to enjoy ourselves on Sunday night. We're going to turn up. I'm excited. I can't wait. Feels great to be doing another episode of this podcast. Um, didn't put one out last week. I've, you know, I, I put an Instagram post out saying that I'm, you know, between the two jobs and scene and life. 
I'm, you know, time is very limited at the moment. Um, so if I am putting something out, I do want to put something out that's, that's quality. I just don't want to throw something out there, um, for no reason or, you know, just throw, you know, I don't want to force something because I feel like I have to put an episode out. I just want to make sure that it's, you know, that's done the right way. Um, so it feels good now that I have something to talk about, have an experience that, you know, have a couple of experiences that I want to share, um, kind of explore my thoughts on it and stuff like that. Uh, so that's what I'll be talking about today. Um, and I think I am going to be using Instagram a lot more as far as a platform to promote this podcast, you know, episode updates, which I did this week, um, stating what the topics were going to be. Uh, I don't want it to be a bombardment. I don't want it to be like that, but you know, Instagram is such a great platform, uh, for digital marketing. It would be stupid of me not to do it. Um, and yeah, so if you want updates on the podcast, if you want to tell me this podcast sucks, if you want to tell me the podcast is great, if you have any feedback or criticism or anything, slide in my damn DMs. My Instagram is underscore BG219. I welcome all comers. You're not going to offend me if you do have something negative to say. Um, I'll probably get a good laugh out of it. Uh, but if you have some suggestions, if you have some critiques or criticisms, reach out to me as well. I definitely want to hear some people's thoughts. If you just want to talk, uh, just have a conversation, maybe I can walk you through something or just listen. I'm very good at that. Just, you know, if you need a set of ears, just throw uh, throw something off of someone, um, I'm there for that as well. So please reach out to me on Instagram, underscore BG219. You can also email me. Uh, rgoso105 at gmail.com but let's get into it so my dad um, and I have a weird relationship um, we're close but we don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things especially me moving out to LA um, he was very against uh, thought it was a dumb idea you know, had a cushiony job. Why would I leave that job? He likes stability and comfort. He doesn't like to take on a lot of risk, which is fine. Which is, that's fine. As long as you're happy, then that's great. Uh, I couldn't do that. And I knew what I had to do. But, you know, to each his own. Uh, but sometimes we do butt heads because of it. Uh, but for him, but because of him, I had Eagle season tickets. So I, you know, owe him a debt of gratitude. He let me live at his house as well. I owe him so much for the things he's done for me of, you know, my car breakdown and stuff like that. Um, and he was always pushing me to become closer. And I, and I think he would get, sometimes get frustrated that I wasn't closer with my little sister, uh, from his second marriage. Um, you know, I didn't live there up until last year. I lived with my mom and lived with my little brother, my other little brother and little sister. So I was a lot closer with them. And I think he always kind of, you know, was a little mad. I don't want to say mad, mad's a bad word, but was a little frustrated that I wasn't as close with her, Rihanna, as I was my little, my little brother and sister from my mom's side. And, you know, 
it was always weird, like you know, weird, awkward hugs when we saw each other. I don't, I don't know why, but it was that's just the way it was. But something cool happened last week where she actually reached out to me, and something happened before I left as well. But uh, I'll talk about this particular instance. She reached out to me to ask me to help her break down one of the biggest decisions she'll ever make in her life. And that decision was to move out of her mom's house, not into my dad's house. She go, She's going to temple. She got accepted in the temple. Wants to become a doctor. High goals already. Love it. She wanted to move out and move herself out of a negative situation where she is with her mother. Uh, her mother being my ex-stepmom, I empathize with her and know exactly what she's going through. Well, just psychopath. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. She strangled me when I was 10 years old. She's crazy. Some of the sisters have been dealing that with that for a long time now and wants to get out of a negative situation, especially in as she's going into college and transitions into that. Now, her first thing, and I love it, was to, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to move out. I'm going to go move down to Temple, get an apartment with my friend, and go from there. Which blows my mind at 18 that that's a thought. For me, I knew I was going away to college, but it wasn't anything like that. I was going to a dorm. I was like, yeah, I'm living in the dorm. It wasn't like, I'm going to be this renegade. Like, it wasn't like that. She was, her thinking was completely independent, especially for that age. It was a cool, it was a cool thing to see. Um, especially her awareness to recognize that she's in a negative situation and I need to get out of this situation and not just let it continue. It was cool to see that that level of awareness in someone so young. I wish I had that level of awareness at, at 18, 19, 20. So again, we're not super close. So it's still a little awkward. We're trying to feel things out, and I think this was a huge step in the right direction. But if I felt very humbled and very honored that she wanted to speak to me about this decision. Again, I mentioned our dad is very conservative, doesn't like to assume a lot of risk. He's comfortable. He likes stability. Makes complete sense. Before the conversation, I did reach out to him and I said, hey, just want to let you know, Rihanna reached out to me and she wants to have a conversation and have me help her lay out the pros and cons of her moving down the temple or her moving in with you. And his immediate response was, dude, don't pollute her. That's a typical my dad response, thinking that I'm my positive thinking and my forward thinking and my go forward attitude is polluting. It's another issue for another day. Anyway, that was his initial response. And I said, whatever, I'm not going to pollute her. 
I'm just going to help her. I'm not going to give her a decision. I think that was cool for me. Uh, you know, my approach to it was that I didn't want to push her in any one direction. I just wanted to help her clarify what that, what the answer to her question was, right? Do I move out? Do I, do I make this massive leap? Already making a massive leap, right? You're, you're going to Temple, one of the best schools in the country. You're trying to become a doctor, so you're taking the hardest classes, you know, by uh, biology and, and and a bunch of science classes way out of my league, way out of my range or knowledge. Um, you know, those two things right there at 18 are enough for, you know, for a lot of people. Not to mention, you're going to need a job. We don't have people paying our way. My dad will help her, but it's, he, it's to no fault of his own. We're just not in that situation. Help her as much as possible, but you know she needs she is going to have to do it on her own, you know, through grants and loans and stuff like that. But how everyone else does it for the few, you know, the people that are lucky enough to have parents in good situations where they can afford that. We're not blessed with that situation, so she is going to need to get a job. So on top of trying to become a doctor making the transition from, from from high school to college, having to have a job as well, all at 18, and wanting to move out downtown and get an apartment with her friend at 18. I love the ambition. I love the ambition. And in my head, I was like, that's really cool that you feel that comfortable to even think about that. And as we laid out the pros and cons, obviously freedom and getting out of, ne- of a negative situation, I think we ultimately came to the conclusion. Now, I haven't spoken to her again. I think she's going to make the right decision and go live at my dad's for a year because she'll have that transition. Um, it'll be a lot smoother. She'll still be able to have a job and classes, and that will be plenty for the first year. So I think she'll ultimately make that decision. But for me, it was a cool opportunity to see a young person going through a struggle because I've gone through so many struggles. I, I, I still go through so many struggles and I'm still constantly battling inside myself to make decisions on, is, it, is this the right thing to do? What do I need to do? You know, so it, it, was, it was unique for me to be on the other side of the equation and actually helping someone make that decision. And I think what I took away from it was that if an 18-year-old girl can have the guts to even want to do something like that, then I think it's a huge takeaway for me, right? That we should all, if an 18-year-old girl can do it, why can't we? Why can't everyone just go, yeah, I can do, like, you know, what's the issue with people not wanting to aim high? And again, I heard something, not again, didn't say it yet. Still, see, I'm working through these issues right now.
I was listening to a podcast the other day, and, I, and they were talking about. I respect the people who are doing okay and are, and are happy with doing okay, right? They're 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 happy as can be, and they're you know they're not setting the world on fire, but they're happy with that. I respect those people. It's the people that are not doing it's the people that are doing okay and mad about it and bitter about it and mad at the world and think that there's no ability to change or no ability to to move up or you know I think I know more people like that than I do actually that are that are doing okay and, and content and happy. Which is fine again. Again, fine. But if an 18-year-old girl can shoot for the, and aim for this guy, we should be able to, too. Because right, right, we have more experience. We have more knowledge. We should feel better equipped to go, I can make this massive decision. I can go for this massive leap. I can start this business. I can, I can go to school. I can go back to school if I want to. I can go get my master's degree, my doctorate, whatever. I can start this charity. I can reach out to these people. Like, I feel like an 18-year-old girl should be more scared to go after her dreams or go after or have these high, ambitious goals than someone at 27 with, or whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyone past that age with more experience should feel more comfortable to take on and assume that risk because they had exposure and experience to things they know you know they sort of have life figured out and they you know they can take not if I shouldn't say figured out we'll never really have it figured out but they're they're in a better position to chase dreams than an 18 year old girl is and I hate when I hear people say ah oh, that you know yeah like what it is to be young you know, good to be young or like yeah, that was yeah. Not now. I'm too old for that. Like we're like third. That's infuriates me when I hear people complain about being old when they're my age. I cannot. That is something that bothers me to no end. Seventy five is old. Twenty seven. 25, 26, 27, you're not old, you're in your prime. You have more ability to go do whatever the hell you want. More responsibility, but you're more equipped to handle it. You should be looking forward to that freedom. Your goal, you know, it it scares me that people are so quick to do things and quick to rush in and settle at our age when there's a huge world out there why wouldn't you want to go explore it why wouldn't you try to you know why wouldn't you want to break down barriers and and you know change paths and get into some stuff and you know I don't it just I don't know teach his own I guess I, I don't I'm just ranting at this point but I think my takeaway from it was that again why are people, as they get older, more afraid to take risks than when they are when they're younger? When they're a lot more equipped to do it when they're older, 
from experience, from knowledge, from things they've seen, compared to at 18 when they're not, compared to at 21 when they're not. They should be the most scared at that point. If anything, it should hesitate, you know, it should not let them do it. I'm so curious as to why that is. But I think if an 18-year-old girl can do it, so can you. So can I. So can we. And if you have siblings that you aren't, maybe I think for me it's because I'm, you know, I'm 10 years older than my than my uh, next oldest sibling. So it was never like I couldn't really like hang out with them or connect with them like that. Or, you know where we could, you know, where there was like a a, a bond of friendship or anything like that. It was, so because I was a little older. Um, so I think now that will sort of develop. Now that they're getting older, it's not as hard for me to connect with them as when they were younger and I was still 10 years older than them. But if you do have family members like that and there's a weird bond or, you know, you guys aren't near, you, know, you guys aren't as close as you think you should be or as you would like to be, reach out to them for something like that. Hey, I want to get your thoughts on something. Or you just you just never know what the conversation is going to bring. I think for for her and I, that was a huge step in the direction of building a, a strong relationship going forward. You know, and as she starts to get older, we you know do more thing. You know, we can we can do more things together. She turns twenty one, we can you know we can go out and have some drinks and have some com- more conversations and whatever. But it was pretty cool. It was pretty unique. Um, I, again, felt honored and humbled that she even asked me. And it taught me, or it, I should say, it showed me how much I've learned over the past couple of years about decision-making on my own. Because I was able to guide her from all the things that I've learned from trying to make the decisions that I've made. A lot of them wrong. I've made a lot of mistakes. But now all that knowledge is coming back. I did this, you shouldn't do this, you know, make sure you're prepared for this, right? And that was another thing that we touched on was making sure, again, I didn't steer her away from not making the decision. I said, if you are comfortable with yourself, if you have the confidence to do something like that, go for it. But are you emotionally prepared for if it doesn't work or the struggle that you're going to go through if you do like you're going to have to work like you want to get your own apartment okay cool you're going to need two jobs okay now you're doing classwork now you're doing you know you're trying to become a doctor cool you're 18 are you prepared for that if you are if you think you are go for it jump do it right you have nothing to lose go for it don't your freshman year. You can bring your grades back. You know, go for it if you do have that. Have that. But if you don't think you're ready for that, if you don't think you're ready for that responsibility, don't do it. You know, go live at dad's for a year, carry a job, go to school, and see how that works first. And then take a little bit more on. 
And I think it's a decision now that we laid all the you know the pros and cons out. I think that is a decision she should make. Like I said. But it was cool to see how I was able to work through the situation compared to a couple years ago when I was just like, yeah, do it. Go for it. Like I was able to balance, you know, I was able to balance out the risk more. I had more knowledge. Right? Didn't say I wouldn't do it. Maybe I would do it if I was her. Again, if she has the confidence to go do it, go do it. But to be able to see yourself develop is pretty cool as well. And I think that's one thing that I'm enjoying about doing the podcast and doing, you know, and quitting a job and moving out here. And as I, you know, as I get more, as I, as I get further along in this journey, the LA journey, um, I think it's cool to finally see things coming full circle, I should say. You know, lessons that I learned a couple of years ago that I still thought that I wasn't prepared for that apparently, not, you know, you know, when it happens, you're like, oh, shit, I am prepared. I am prepared to, you know, move to L.A., start over, start a new life. I am prepared to go through trials and tribulations in business and bounce back and go and keep going. When a couple of years ago, I think I would have just gave up. I can come up with creative ideas for, for podcasts and stuff like that. I have a couple of cool episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. I can't wait to do them. You know, I can connect with people. And the fact that I can do it should make anyone else listening to this feel comfortable and feel confident enough that they can do whatever the hell they want. Because I'm an idiot. I don't want to talk harsh about myself, but... That just keeps me motivated. It feeds me to want to do more and feeds me to want to learn. Because I don't think I'm... I'm nothing special. I'm just a kid trying to... You know, just trying to do something different. Seeing how it works. Am I the brightest? No. Not by a long shot. And I know that. And I'm okay with that. I have a shit ton of insecurities and anxieties. Still, just keep pushing forward. So, if I can do it, you can definitely do it. Whatever it is you want to do, you can do it. If an 18 year old girl can even get it in her gut to want to try and do something like that, you can do it. You're way more equipped than an 18 year old girl and have way more knowledge and experience than an 18 year old girl does to do something like that. So moving on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was my experience at the Comedy Store last night in Los Angeles. If you've never heard of the Comedy Store, look it up. It is probably, now I think they're self-proclaimed the mecca of comedy, but I think if you speak to any comedian, they'll probably say, no, that is the spot. So many people had their start there. Uh, Jim Carrey, um, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, and a litany of other people. 
the second word, time we use the word litany. It's a good vocab word. Uh, we're going to shelf it, though, for the rest of this episode. Um, yeah, if you've never heard of the comedy store, look it up. Look at the history behind it. It's an unbelievable spot. It's extremely historic, which you can feel as soon as you walk in the building. Um, and that was probably the main spot I wanted to go to when I moved out here. When I lived with my cousin Hermosa, I was like, hey, there's so-and-so show at, at the comedy store. You want to go up there? Every week. Yeah, there's so-and-so up there. Uh, you want to go up there? Like, I was trying so hard to get there. Joe Rogan and all of them are always there. Uh, I went, was intending to see Burt Kreischer, uh, Brian Callen, and Brendan Schaub. Did see Brian Callen, Brendan Schaub. Um, Burt Kreischer was sick. He didn't make it. Uh, so I had a surprise guest. We had we had a surprise guest be the headliner. Uh, don't know if you've ever heard of him. Random guy. I think he's small. He's on the come up right now. Uh, Bill Burr was the headliner. You should. He's he's pretty. He was a pretty funny guy. He was a pretty funny guy. Obviously, that was sarcasm. That was a really that was really bad sarcasm. But instead of seeing Burt Kreischer, I saw Bill Burr. At the comedy store. And not only was it seeing Bill Burr at the comedy store, I got to see Bill Burr work new material at the comedy store. Which was like what? Like I would never I would never see a Bill Burr comedy stand up routine until it hit Netflix for his next special. Like Burr's the pinnacle. Not only did I get to see Bill Burr, I got to see him in a small room at the comedy store performing new material on a Tuesday night. He comes out and he literally says this pretty much to the crowd going, I'm great. I'm going to need you to lower your expectations. It's a Tuesday night. This is a work night. I'm just trying out some new material. So let's all lower our expectations. This is not a weekend. This is not going to be our best set ever. Let's just, you know, let's just see where it goes. He takes two pauses, or two breaths, I should say, two second pause. He goes, all right, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about abortion. And from then on, I was like, this, this, what is happening? Brian Callen crushed it. Brendan Schaub did a great job. It's cool to see someone... So you see guys like Callen who have been doing it for a long time. And I think to make a pretty good point out of this, you see guys like Brian Callen who have been doing it for a long time. Years. Years of work. You can see he's so good at doing stand-up comedy. You can see the amount of years He's been doing it in his routine. Bill Burr crushed it. You can see the confidence. You can see the the experience as he's doing it. All the years, all the nights of doing stand-up, all the practice. All You can see it all reflected on stage and on a Tuesday night. He's not shooting a special. He's not, you know, doing a... Or at least I don't think he didn't wasn't putting together a routine for a special. He was just trying out some stuff, and to see the way they worked, see the way that they handled practice, 
was awesome. It was really cool to see that. And then you could see the difference when Brendan was up there. He's only been doing it for three years. You could see the difference, right? He was a little more nervous. He was, but he was. It was still cool to see him working on his game because he works on his game different than guys at that stage work on their game. You know, he's still trying to find his voice and he's still trying to uh, find what works for him and, and find transitions and jokes and stuff like that. And I think regardless of his experience, it was it's cool to see someone step out of their comfort zone like that and be surrounded by absolute killers and still go out and do their thing. And I think for me, I've tried to similarly surround myself with people who are absolute killers when it comes to work and it makes me feel uncomfortable. It pushes me to want to do better. It pushes me to limits. And I think that's something that we all kind of need to, to try and do more is surround ourselves with people who are like that, who are just absolute savages and want to be around those people. Don't get intimidated by them. Want to be around them because they're only going to push you to be better. You're not them. So don't try and compete with them. You don't compete with them. You just, you know, you just try to emulate what they're doing, but put your own style on it and do your thing. But it was abundantly clear how many years Callan and Bill Burr were doing it compared to Brendan. It was it, it was unique to see in that in that sort of setting. Still good nonetheless. That was an awesome time, and. I will be heading back to the comedy store for sure, a hundred percent. That place is, they have three rooms there. They have an outside bar where you can watch the stand-up routines, um, right on Sunset Boulevard. It's a really cool place. I'm looking forward to going back there, seeing some some pretty cool people. But the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because over the past year, I would say I've become, I don't know why, but I've become really engaged with comedy um, and stand-up in particular. Um, I'm saying um a lot. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, stand-up in particular, I've been drawn to and I was trying to figure it out why that was. You know, when you're going through, I think when you're going through struggles and you're going through hard times, the best thing to do is is laugh and smile. And I think there's no better way to do that than, than watching stand-up. But it's a little more to that. When you're really trying to understand what those people are doing and what drives those those sorts of people. You know, for me, I kind of felt similar connections if you look at some of the best comedians in the world 
the funniest people on the planet. They're actually typically introverted. They don't even really if you're around if you're around them outside of work or the stage, they are introverted people who are very deep in their thoughts. Um, and in most cases it's it's pretty dark. The darkness wasn't my connection. I think the the connection was knowing that most of them are very introverted off the stage, but they still go out and and perform. They're in front of thousands of people. In some cases, tens of thousands of people. And for instance, me doing this podcast or when I go out I do I I love networking with people but it's not my first tendency I would rather be quiet and just you know kind of hang back and and not really want to connect with people as much as I try to And I was just having this conversation with a coworker, which is, you know, what's what I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was pretty interesting. Like for me, doing this podcast is an extroverted move. For me, when I go out and I like to meet new people, I like to, you know, speak to people and even trying to scout guests for the show and being at a bar and working behind a bar and which is a very social situation. You know, being in the social circles and social situations that I'm in and the people that I'm influenced by who are social butterflies I tend to act extroverted in an un- but it makes me uncomfortable like I don't necessarily enjoy doing it I love connecting with people I love you know speaking with people and making new, you know making new connections and and I think build you know and building relationships and I think it is a strength of mine but it's not comfortable for me I, I don't I don't necessarily enjoy doing it if I could sit silent and just hang out in the background like that'd be great then you get a couple of drinks with me and a couple of shots and things tend to change but typically sober me natural me normal me I would say is introverted. But I tend to do extroverted things. And with comedians, it's very similar. Very similar. And these are convers and the and I get that information from conversations that I've heard between other comedians, whether it was podcasts, uh, whether it was in person, whether it was uh, my uncle, who was a, was a stand-up comic for 10 years, he's a writer in comedy now. He um, well was a writer, and he's transitioning into some other things, but he did sketch comedy. So he was always surrounded by comedians, and he was like, they're not really that fun to be around. It's kind of dark. It's kind of weird. Um, it's, not really, it's not really a thing that I enjoyed being around. That's why I got out of it. So when I heard that and I started to learn how they are off the stage, it kind of felt... It kind of connected. So I think that's why stand-up comedy for me is such a, you know, 
is such a an outlet for me. Like I went to that show the other I went to that show the other night by myself. Had a blast. Sat there and just watched people at work. It was cool. It was really cool. But I think it was even cooler knowing that like I mean it, it's it's crazy what pe- what drives people what drives these people you know they're typic they're typically quiet people and then when they get on stage they're just monsters there's you know they're they just let all of this energy out it's it's bizarre I don't understand it for me doing this podcast which is going extremely well it's cool that I can have people reach out and say, you know, I really enjoyed this episode. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. This helped. It's happened a couple of times. And it's cool to see. So it drive, makes me want to keep doing them. It's also a unique platform and a unique way to express myself. I've kind of looked at it as sort of therapy just to get these thoughts out of my head. And I kind of just keep the conversation just me and the microphone. And don't really try to think of it as I'm doing a podcast. So if anyone understands what I'm going through. Here comes my neighbor. She probably thinks I'm crazy. Because I'm sitting in my car talking to myself. Um, Definitely 100% thinks I'm crazy at this point. Uh, This is the second time she's caught me doing this podcast in the car. I've never actually said a word to her. Uh, She just sees me talking to myself in my car. She thinks I'm a psychopath. Anyway, to back to what I was, you know, let me wrap that point up. If you're an introverted person or tend to be, think you're an introverted person and you're looking to step outside of your comfort zone, um, I would strongly advise you do some extroverted things. You know, do some things that you're typically not comfortable doing because the opportunities that it will open are tremendous. And you can hear it in my voice. This girl is standing right next to my car and I'm doing this damn podcast. (laughs) And you can hear the introvertness come out of me, the shyness uh, as I turtle up as this girl's doing it. So I'm leaving this all in. But I think I was almost coming to my end here with the episode anyway and I think if we're able to take anything away from all the things that I just touched on it's you know do things that make you uncomfortable because there are the things that are going to work out the best in the end they're the things that scare you the most they are the things that are going to test you the most they're the things that are going to push you the most whether it's me doing this podcast being extremely uncomfortable as you just heard me curl up like a little bitch because that girl was standing right next to my car and the anxiety started taking over my body going this girl is judging the hell out of me whether it's comedians Right, who are, again, typically introverted, but for some reason, on stage, they just have this ability to to make everyone around the room, you know, 
they're the life of the party. They're the they're on the stage. They're making every single person in the room laugh. Or whether you're the 18 year old girl who wants to become a doctor, who wants to take the hardest classes in college, who wants to have a job and also move out all at 18. And wants to challenge herself so hard and you know so early. That you can do it. Push those boundaries. Test yourself. Step out of your comfort zone. Do things that make you uncomfortable. Because they're the things that are going to pay off most in the end. They're going to hurt. 100% they're going to hurt. You're going to be scared shitless. You're going to have anxiety. But they will pay off in the end. I hope everyone has a tremendous Memorial Day weekend. Hope you guys all enjoyed time with your friends, family. Hope you guys ate some great eat some great food, have some great drinks. I hope everyone enjoys themselves. Stay safe. And I will That was so awkward. And I will talk to you in the next one. Peace.